Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a look at popular songs of the past and dives into their history, their meaning, or any other things that might be of interest surrounding those songs. My name is Claude Call, and in many places this week, they're calling me something less polite. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, probably the best way is to find me on Twitter, at HowGoodItIsPod. Or you can leave a comment on the website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you can find some additional trivia, some follow-ups, and some other stuff that I might have found interesting. You know, today's episode is being released on October 20th, 2017, which means it's the 40th anniversary of the plane crash that killed three members of the band Leonard Skinner, along with their manager. The band was flying from Greenville, South Carolina, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Record industry spokesman said this was one of the top five rock groups in the country. Leonard Skinner. Its latest album, Street Survivors, had already gone gold after its release this week. The group took its name from a teacher who expelled three of the musicians from a Florida high school ten years ago for wearing long hair. Three members of the group, including its leader, Ronnie Van Zandt, were among the six people killed in this crash. Some of the 20 survivors said several members of the group had argued against taking the plane. They were going to vote on whether to continue flying in it after a concert tonight. Investigators said the plane ran out of gas and crashed 200 yards short of where the pilot had hoped to set it down. Although several members of the group survived, a spokesman said the band will never play again under its old name. Bob Brown, ABC News. Bulletin just into WNJS Radio, the Federal Aviation Administration reports that a plane carrying 25 persons crashed tonight in southwest Mississippi. Among those aboard, the Leonard Skinner Rock Group. An FAA spokesman says he received a report of multiple fatalities and some survivors in the crash of the Convair 240. He said the plane was en route from Greenville, South Carolina to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, when it crashed two miles northeast of Gillsburg, Mississippi. He said police and a rescue squad are on the scene. That's a plane carrying 25 persons crashed tonight in southwest Mississippi. Among those aboard, the Leonard Skinner Rock Group, and an FAA spokesman says he received a report of multiple fatalities and some survivors. We'll try to have more for you at 10 on that report. Here's the Little River Band. So drummer uh, Artemis Pyle and two crew members crawled out of the wreckage and they hiked through uh, about a quarter mile of swampy woods until they finally flagged down a local farmer who sent for help. Because of the attention from the press that came along with the crash, Leonard Skinner's album Street Survivors, which had been released only a couple of days earlier, became the second of the band's five albums to go platinum and reached number five on the Billboard Albums chart here in the U.S. And, of course, there was an unfortunate coincidence that had the cover of the Street Survivors uh, depicting the band, especially Steve Gaines, engulfed in flames. Now, out of respect for the band and at the request of Gaines' widow, Teresa, uh, MCA Records uh, withdrew that cover and replaced it with just a simple shot of the band standing against a black background. That was the original back cover of the album. In 2007, when the deluxe edition of the CD was issued, the Flames cover was restored. But all of this is prelude, because what I'd really like to talk about is a song from their first album, which is titled pronounced Leonard Skinner and easily launched not only the national awareness of the band, but it was probably responsible for the rise of Southern fried rock trend of the mid-1970s. Freebird has become such a staple of rock and roll that shouting it out as a request during a concert 
any concert has become a common joke. In fact, in 2007, author Mitch Myers wrote a book titled The Boy Who Cried Freebird, Rock and Roll Fables and Sonic Storytelling, which is a fictional work that looks at the first guy to shout Freebird at a concert. But originally, MCA Records didn't want the song to appear on the album because it was too long and they figured no radio station would play it. And even the band didn't think the song would catch on with anybody. So where did this song come from? Well, guitarist Alan Collins came up with the music to the song very early in the songwriting process, and while everyone liked the chord progressions and so on, Ronnie Van Zandt couldn't come up with a decent vocal melody. Now, we're talking about two years that the song kicked around, with the band asking Van Zandt to come up with lyrics, and him saying forget it, because there were just so many chords that he couldn't find a melody to match them. Gary Rossington has said in interviews that Van Zandt thought he had to change the melody to follow the chords. Then, as Rossington recalls, they were in a rehearsal, and Collins started playing those chords again. Van Zant said, those are pretty, play them again. And he suddenly had the lyrics. Rossington swears Van Zant wrote all the lyrics in a matter of just a few minutes. By all accounts, this opening line... If I That line was inspired by Alan Collins' girlfriend, Kathy, who had asked him that question during a fight one time. But the song overall is about a man explaining to a girl why he can't settle down and make a commitment. So the chords were in place and the lyrics were in place, but the song wasn't quite done yet. The band hadn't hit the big time yet, so they were still touring around and playing three or four sets a night. This uh, song still only had the slow part that makes up the first part of the song, so according to Rossington, Ronnie Van Zant asked him and Collins to add something to the end of the song so that he could take a couple minutes worth of break from the singing. Rossington came up with the three acoustic guitar uh, chords. And then he and Collins would trade solos for a couple of minutes, all so Ronnie Van Zandt could rest his voice for a bit. But that's not all. It wasn't long after they made this edition that they learned that their roadie, Billy Powell, had written a piano introduction to the song. 
They liked it so much that they immediately added it to the song and promoted him to the position of the band's keyboardist. When they finally committed the song to recording for the first album, they tacked on that organ introduction, which buries the piano a little bit. But the fact is, the piano is an elegant little bit that you only hear in the first 15 seconds of the song. But it really, really makes that opening just a little bit more poignant, I think. And when the band played the song at shows, the organ was either buried or missing altogether. So I definitely recommend that you listen carefully when you listen to a live recording. Listen to that piano. It sounds awesome. Now, while the song was released around the same time that uh, Dwayne Allman died, and it's frequently dedicated to his memory, the truth is that it's not about Dwayne Allman, given that the band had been working on it for a couple of years before the accident that killed him. The dedication is largely because of the double guitar solos here at the end, and they're played in a style similar to Allman's. So the song, as it appears on the pronounced Leonard Skinner album, is just over nine minutes long. There are a couple of edited versions around. There's a radio edit that goes on for about three and a half minutes, and the 45 runs for four minutes and 10 seconds. But of course, most people f prefer the full 908 version. Unless, of course, it's July of 1976 and the audience is in the fabulous Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, being recorded for the One More From The Road album. I'll do one more. I want to feel it. What song? What song do you want to hear? Tell me. I want you to tell them. One more time. All right. Now let's put some grease in the frying pan. All right. That's the lead-in to a recording that goes on for nearly 14 minutes on that album. After the plane crash that killed so many of the band members when Leonard Skinner returned to touring, Freebird was played as an instrumental with a single microphone standing at center stage with a spotlight illuminating it, and oftentimes the band would encourage the audience to sing. It wasn't until 1989 that an audience, according to legend, finally convinced Rossington to urge Johnny Van Zandt to sing the song. Leonard Skinner continues to tour, and more often than not, Freebird is their closing number, often with photos and film of the former band member shown on a screen behind them while Johnny Van Zandt points his microphone at the sky in tribute during the introduction. You can see this in the Vicious Cycle concert tour video, and I've linked to uh, a clip from it on the website. It's definitely worth a look, not just for the archival footage, but for how sweet it sounds when the strings are added in. Freebird has been covered a few times. Molly Hatchett uh, recorded it on their 1985 Double Trouble live album, which was released as a promotional single. Listen to that piano, by the way. And Winona Judge recorded it on the uh, 1994 Leonard Skinner tribute album.
And the band Fish sang it a cappella for a couple of years in the mid-90s, which irritates me because I went to see Fish around then, and they didn't perform it during the show I attended. They do still return to it from time to time. But probably the most creative cover of the song was a mashup of Leonard Skinner's Freebird with Peter Frampton's Baby I Love Your Way, which was performed by a dance pop group called Will to Power. This creation was titled Free Baby, and it actually spent a single week at the top of the Billboard charts in 1988. You know, it's, it's been nearly 20 years, and I still don't know what to make of that one. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, well, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com. Turns out I was having a glitch with that email, and I didn't realize it, but everything is up and running again, so that's all good. Howgoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or... You can follow me on Twitter at HowGoodItIsPod, or you can check out the show's website, HowGoodItIs.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Check it out this week. i got a couple of interesting video links, all right? Next time, we're going to discover how good it is to make a mistake and fail your way upward. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you then. Bye.